You're listening to Faith from the Margins, a spirited dialogue into the intersection of faith and identity. Hello, friends. This is Adamian, and we want to welcome you to the third episode of Faith from the Margins. I cannot believe it's been three episodes so far. I hope you're enjoying the journey. Hey friends, this is Andres all the way from Chile. We are really excited that you are all in this journey with us and we do hope that you are enjoying it as much as we are. How are things going, Damian, in the U.S. and in Houston? This summer has been moving by so quickly. I can't believe we're in August already. But there's one thing I wanted to lift up about what's been happening in Houston and Texas but more particularly in our state capital in Austin, there was a rally uh, led by the Poor People's Campaign, a national call for more revival in their season of nonviolent moral direct action to save our democracy. And while they won the Capitol yesterday, which would have been the 31st of July, they wanted to stir the consciousness of uh, ralliers and to let people know that there are needs that need to be addressed and matters that need to be addressed by our government officials. And so there were four key points that they raised yesterday. So they're working towards ending the filibuster to pass all provisions for the People Act, fully restore the 1965 Voting Rights Act, and to raise the federal minimum wage to $15 an hour. Those four bullet points are not just bullet points, Andres, but they're definitely life-changing goals that our government officials have worked to do to making sure that everyone, every person in America, whether they're American or an immigrant, has a seat at the table, which is what we're doing here with this work as uh, podcasters for Faith from the Margins. We are rallying behind the causes of um, making this awareness known. Thank you for sharing that, Damien. I think not only in the U.S., but all over the world, we are seeing these social and political issues. Um, A lot of movement is happening in the different countries to try to make um, things better for all people especially those um, on the margins. So I think these conversations are really important and is what we can uh, give and what we can do to help to make things better. I'm really excited about our guest for today. It was a very, very moving conversation for me. Friends, you are in for an amazing conversation that I had with our guest today. Lou Weaver is a queer, transgender man and a leader in Houston's LGBTQ community, especially when it comes to the topic of trans health care. Our interview, our conversation rather, was truly a time of insight and gleaning and learning about what it means to be a trans person. Yes, I was really happy to hear from Lou. And of course, for me as a trans man, it brought so many emotions as he described his own experiences and also 
the different struggles that our trans community faces. It was it was a mix of emotions for me as I as I listened to the conversation as I remember my own experiences transitioning in Latin America and in the church and trying to find my way but there's a lot to learn from Blue there's a lot that I hope it can challenge all of us to continue to grow and to continue to find ways to understand each other and help each other so I think we should go ahead and listen to Lou So, Luke, for our listeners today, uh, can you please tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Um, Sure. I am not a native Houstonian, nor am I a native Texan, but I've been taught to say that I got here as fast as I could. So um, that's a thing. I've been here for about 18 years. Um, I am 51 years old. I am a queer transgender man. Yeah, I know. I know. But um, that is like... (laughs) The reaction I get all, you know, more people look at me like that when I say my age than when I say that I'm transgender. Uh, for you folks that are, you know, just listening and can't actually see Damien's face here, he just gave me the what the <laughs> look. Um, so we're off Better to a really good I, start today. So, yeah, yeah. I, I want whatever you're drinking. I, <laughs> I need it. I want to look that good at 51. Like you, I've been in Houston um, only eight years. I came from Florida and the Bahamas, and I've been here making it home and been at St. Stephen's for about three years. And so this work that we're doing from Faith of the Margins podcast is all work that's um, based upon our willingness to dive into what conversations people aren't having but really need to have. And some may are, and some may desire to have it but are afraid to. So we're so thankful that you're here to uh, have this conversation with us today. Before we really get into the conversation today, I would like for us to uh, say the names of those transgendered siblings that have died too soon. Iris Santos, Tiffany Thomas, Alexis Braxton, 50 Bands, Samuel Edmund Damien Valentin, Tiana Alexander, Diamond Carrie Sanders, Rihanna Pardo, and for the unnamed and unknown, let us always be mindful and remember to say their names. So not to get too deep too soon, but to just transition a little bit, Lou, let's talk about, let's talk about violence. I know it's a weird place to kind of start the conversation, but... We don't do things the normal way here at Faith from the Margin. So what does protection look like to you? And what are we articulating to help miss the mark about violence? And how can we help the message come across more clearly when it comes to uh, transgender violence? Yeah, that's a, that's actually a great place to start. Um, so I want to ask you the names that you've read, and I want to say thank you. Thank you for starting this this way. Thank you for holding that space for those folks that we've lost, as you said, way too soon. Where's that list from, and how, how far back does it actually go? Actually, I got it from the HRC's website, mm-hmm. and it was the most recent names for the persons that um, 
uh, died in for this year, so 2021. So between 2020 and 2021. Okay, I'm actually I'm pretty sure those are just from January 1st. It might be from November 20th of last mm-hmm. year until now. Mm-hmm. And what I want the reason that I'm asking is I'm very familiar with those names. I'm very familiar with the Human Rights Campaign, the HRC website, is to highlight the fact that the names that you have read, we've lost them in the past eight or nine months. Wow, just eight or nine months, and those are only the ones that we know about. Mm-hmm. Every mm-hmm. November 20th across the globe, we have a. Uh, Transgender Day of Remembrance, and that's where we honor those that we have lost to hate crimes. And it's very sad that we do this every year and the number of names that get read and the number of unknown names. A lot of times we just have victim uh, uh, listed. Mm-hmm. And even with the names that you just read, because I know them, I, I know some of their stories. I know where they're from. More often than not, they are transgender women of color. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Janet Mock said it best back in, I think it was 2013 or 2014, when she said uh, transgender women of color live in the juxtap- juxtaposition between sexism, racism and classism. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we really need to talk about all of that, because why does violence happen to transgender women? Absolutely. Why does violence mostly happen to transgender men or transgender women of color? Mm-hmm. Excuse me, right? I am a queer trans man who most people, well, really depending on who people are, white people take me for white, uh, Latino people or Latinx people take me for being uh, Latinx. And so, and we have to acknowledge that even in our country, I'm still not, I'm not black, right? Because racism in our country and many others feels like the darker skin you have, the more targeted you are. Absolutely. And so, And this is important to acknowledge that, you know, my mom used to, she would see the booklets that I would bring home from past uh, Transgender Day of Remembrances, and she'd be like, this is why I'm scared of you leaving the house. And I'm like, Mom, Mm. I'm a man. Mm -hmm. I am not the one that should be worried. It is my transgender sisters and my non-binary siblings that are more at risk than, than I am. So you've been here eight years, um, which you might or might not remember the Houston uh, Equal Rights Ordinance fight. Absolutely. And that's really where the bathrooms fight started. Absolutely. Um, was was here. Um, and then it really got going after the next year after um, the Obergefell decision for same-sex marriage equality at the Supreme Court. And who were they talking about? No men in women's bathrooms. Mm-hmm. Go to the bathroom based on your birth certificate. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, at that point in time, my birth certificate still had an F on it. I'm a man. Where would you like me to go to the restroom? Right. They weren't talking about guys like me. People really discount, ignore, erase a lot of times men like me because misogyny and sexism go come into play, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And so transgender women are really the target. Uh, and that's the message we see over and over again. Our special session just started in Texas today. Okay. And what did they say? Yes, uh, uh, Governor Abbott yesterday finally released his 11-point priorities for the next 30 days, and that is keeping fairness in girls' sports. You can only play sports based on your uh, birth certificate at the time of being born. And it's not about a trans boy or a masculine girl playing on the the boys' football team. Mm -hmm. It is about a transgender woman or a non-binary person who is more femme being allowed to play on the girls' team under the guise of protecting girls. And it's so ridiculous on so many levels. One, transgender women are women, right? But this need to protect people from transgender women and Mm -hmm, also mm -hmm. the 
ownership that certain people feel over girls and women, whether it's their wives, their daughters, their sisters. It's that ownership of I need to be a protector. And so there's many layers of, of um, as I've said, misogyny, sexism, racism, classism, and other isms that go into this that then breed violence. Mm-hmm. And we've seen it. I have seen more homophobia being yelled out loud yelled at people in the past five years than I have in the 80s late 80s early 90s I would get it all the time I would be called a dyke and many other slurs in the late 80s you know when I was walking through a parking lot Mm -hmm. and then for a time that disappeared and walking in the parking lots walking down the street the past couple of years I would hear things like being yelled at with the f word um fag um, different slurs against the trans community and whatnot that I hadn't heard for a long time. And it's, it's when we see people attacking a community, we feel like it's old. Okay. And we saw leaders of our country, leaders of our state, uh, leaders of our communities here mm-hmm. doing exactly that. And it, so in our country here in the United States, which is mostly white, mostly cisgender, so not transgender, mostly heterosexual or straight, and mostly Christian, Right? That is mainstream society in the United States. Everybody else is an outlier. And what do those attacks look like on folks that don't belong to that you know, nucleus of being white, cis, straight, and Christian, which many, many people are outside of that. Mm-hmm. But they're targeted based on the way they worship, based on the color of their skin, based on who they love, how they present. And the more of those different identities that one holds, the more marginalized they are and the more at at risk they are uh, for the violence, even if they just walk out of the house. And I I also want to say that violence isn't always physical. Mm. Violence Mm. can be verbal. Mm -hmm. Violence Mm -hmm. can be emotional. Mm -hmm. Violence can be mental. Mm -hmm. And we don't talk enough about the ways that trans people are harmed when they are disrespected. They're called by the wrong names. They're called by the wrong pronouns. They are not allowed to be themselves and bring their full selves to school, Mm -hmm. to work, to worship. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because many times for a trans person, the first violence comes at home. When your parents won't see you, when your siblings won't see you. And in this country, most people are taught, well, if all else fails, you still have God. And what happens for a trans person when they try to go to church? They're not seen. They're not, they're not seen or they're not welcomed. welcomed. Exactly right. And so they lose their family and then they lose their God. Mm-hmm. And then what do they have? Right? Hopefully friends. But it becomes a cycle of violence that begins at home mm-hmm. and then goes into their church homes. And then what sort of comfort, what sort of support do they have? Mm-hmm. And so the physical violence is bad. It's horrible. It's horrific. Um, I hear. I heard a story just the other day of a local uh, black transgender woman um, who was brutally uh, assaulted, sexually assaulted. Mm-hmm. And what do we have? What What can we help her with? Right? Where's the recourse for somebody like her to be able to get the support and the help that she needs? And it's not an easy fight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lou, you, you have you have touched on so many uh, great points in that spill that I am just totally mesmerized because I, I think it's I think it's accurate. I think violence is not just physical. And I think that emotional verbal violence is just as pertinent as physical violence. So if you will, if you feel comfortable in sharing, what was growing like growing up like for you? How did you evolve 
into Lou Weaver. Uh, I love that. It, that's evolve. Um, it was a long journey. Um, I did not come out as a trans man until I was 47. Mm. Is that right? No, 37. Sorry, 37. Okay. I can't okay. do math. Um, but like I grew up in the I was a teenager in the 80s. We didn't have an internet to be like, hey, why do I feel different, Mr. Google? Um, I could go <laughs> over to the card catalog, and I wasn't. You know, for mm -hmm. you, those of you readers who, listeners who don't know what a card catalog, ask your parents. Um, you know, I'm not going to go to the library searching for a book. And, you know, and, and so I didn't have language. Mm -hmm. There was no talk mm -hmm. of the transgender community. Mm -hmm. um, we were still and are still making fun of the bisexuals, um, you know, because we're so binary in our world. Uh, I didn't know that um, that what I was feeling was that I am a man. I thought that I was sort of like I was making up words like I was a male identified lesbian. I was wow. a my parent. You know, I was always a tomboy. I have an older brother. Oh, she just wants to be like her brother. No, I wanted to. Well, yes, I wanted to be like my brother, but I wanted I wanted to be able to show the world that I was a boy. Absolutely. And didn't have that. And so I came out as a lesbian about six weeks shy of my 19th birthday, and that was mm -hmm. 1989. And there were no role models. Melissa Etheridge wasn't out. Ellen DeGeneres wasn't out. And so and it, it, in 1989, 19 was incredibly young to come out. Mm -hmm. Now it's not. It's almost kind of old to some people. But th th there just wasn't this sense of community outside of the small group of folks that you could have. And so every day, you know, trying to see yourself reflected, we didn't, we didn't have that in the world. Um, you know, thinking back to the representation on TV, you know, Billy Crystal played a gay per person on the, the sitcom Soap mm. um, that I remember my mom watching way back when. Um, and, you know, I, I remember a few others, but it was mostly very effeminate gay men that they were, you know, stereotyping. Uh, very few lesbians um, until I was probably in my early 20s that I saw. And then it wasn't until um, I believe it was uh, around 1999 or 2000, maybe 98, the movie Boys Don't Cry came out. Mm. And I, I remember going to a theater and sitting there and holding my girlfriend's hand and just having tears run down my face of thinking mm. I was thinking oh my gosh you know is this my reality if you haven't seen the movie it's about a young trans man in Nebraska Brandon Tina uh, and it doesn't end well for Brandon and a friend of his at mm. all mm. and I was I was really torn up and, and it was just really hit me hard of like the first thing I saw about trans guys about a guy like me mm that I was trying to figure out how do I do this? How do I come out? How do I be this person? But did the words come out weren't even in my brain, but like, how do I get there? Mm -hmm. And it was stupefying, right? And there still wasn't a, a real internet that I was comfortable. I mean, it was like probably AOL 1.0. And, and the people that I met at that point in time were like, oh, I just did it. And I'm like, well, well that's really not that helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was growing up in Denver and then I moved here to Houston of all places that you would think that this would be a great place to come out. But Houston has a very large trans community that can be very close knit. Although I will say that it's very like segregated, you know, you have your white trans groups, you have okay. your sure. brown trans groups and black sure. trans groups, sure. but I met a group and then it was like, oh my gosh, wow, this is it. These people see me. This is, this is my people and my tribe. And then it became much easier to come out. So I came out at the ripe old age of 37, started my medical transition. So I saw the doctor and started taking um, cross-sex hormones, hormone replacement therapy on uh, September of 2008. Mm. So in two years or two, two months, excuse me, 
I will have been on hormones for 13 years. Uh, so like some part of my uh, youngness probably looks like I started second puberty as a 38 year old person. And I'm all of a sudden a middle-aged middle-aged guy okay. going through puberty okay. of all of these different things happening with my body. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, it's been a long journey. And and still there's not a lot of role models for us. There's more and more mm-hmm. people coming out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there's not a whole lot of folks out there that we can see readily that have been out for a long period of time. Like when you think about trans men, you might think about Chaz Bono. He came out right about the same time as I did. And some other people right now we're looking at um, Elliot Page. He just came out, right? What experiences are these folks happening? Mm-hmm. And also their reality is not mine or Absolutely. the reality of most other folks because Absolutely. they have unlimited funds and resources, resources to get Absolutely. the access to what they need. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you um, one other thing about you, how to, to getting to evolve to where I am today. I live in the fourth largest city in the United States. I live literally within walking distance of the world's largest medical center. Mm-hmm. 14 mm-hmm. years ago when I came out and then 13 years ago when I was trying to find a doctor that I could see for care for what I needed for me, for my hormones, out of a city of 4 million people, there were three doctors available for somebody like me an adult like me three doctors to get culturally competent care and so when you think about that those create barriers for somebody to live for somebody to thrive Mm -hmm. and if i can't be myself then where does everything else come in that that's Mm -hmm. violence against me Mm -hmm. and then i also had to leave um when I wanted my top surgery and top surgery in my world, the double mastectomy in your world, I had that in 2011. Mm-hmm. I had to leave the city. Wow. I had to go all the way to San Antonio wow. to get the care, the, the life-saving care that I needed. And that is just so dumbfounding that that would happen of this huge, huge area. So what's the politics behind that, Lou? Why is there only... Has so since then have has the numbers increased in terms of doctors that are now in Houston that are doing that work, or are we still not necessarily prepared or adequately prepared to handle? We are not adequately prepared to handle this. Mm-hmm. Um, the politics behind it is medical schools across the country are not teaching about LGBTQ folks. Wow, wow. The, on average, our medical school students get four hours of talk about the lgbtq plus community and by four hours i mean four clock hours okay not four semester hours four clock hours in a four-year period and so when we're not integrated into a society integrated into a curriculum uh, for healthcare providers absolutely they say i don't know how to help you i am a i'm a person here's a chart that tells you how to administer hormones Mm -hmm. it's you know by the american endocrinology society or endocrine society um but since it's not taught doctors say i don't see people like you i don't treat you can you go to that other clinic and so we just get pushed around and pushed around hoping to land someplace where a doctor will see us so i've been thinking about this and i've been thinking about this for a very long time that um transphobia is um it's mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a barrier to culturally competent care. Homophobia is a barrier to culturally competent care. Mm-hmm. Um, misogyny and sexism is a barrier to culturally competent care. Racism is a public health crisis. All of these isms are public health crisis. crisis Commissioner Ellis said it last year, and we've known it, and we should have known it for years, but nobody wanted to speak it. If there is an ism, racism, sexism, misogyny—it's not an ism, right? All of mm-hmm. these other cis- cisgenderism. Mm-hmm. Um, those are barriers to care, 
because they're not taught about it. Our medical system all comes from a straight, white, cisgender male point of view. So there's violence right there. That's a mouthful. <laughs> this is what I spend my spare time thinking about. That's a mouthful, Lou. For those listening on this podcast today, I hope that you are really digesting and making space for what is being shared um, and possibly wondering where where can I lend my energy? Where can I do the work? There is work to be done. Um, I hope you I hope you find it. I hope you find it. So switching up the conversation just a bit, Lou, it must be hard as a any person, it's hard to get work and get employment. But as a transgendered person, it, I can only imagine or begin to imagine um, the difficulties of getting employment. And for some persons, transgendered uh, siblings, sex work becomes their reality. Mm -hmm. Can you talk to us a little bit about what's the psychology for those persons who say, by any means necessary, I'm going to do what I have to do to survive. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's the whole point of being alive is survival, mm -hmm. right? And when we're babies, our parents help us, and we hope to have our parents help throughout our lives or friends and family. And, and some of us don't have that. Mm -hmm. So what is it like to get employment? So first of all, uh, just last year, uh, we had the Bostock decision with the Supreme Court, which made it illegal to fire people based on uh, their sexual orientation or gender identity. It is now illegal to fire somebody for being transgender. That didn't exist before. But I also live in Texas, which is a right-to-work state. So if mm -hmm. you don't like me because I showed up in a T-shirt that has, mm -hmm. you know, whatever message on it today or I didn't wear black shoes like you told me to, I can get fired. Absolutely. Right. So what do they do when you, when you go to get a job? What do they do? They want to see your ID. What happens if my ID doesn't match, doesn't match me? Mm-hmm. Less than 15% of transgender adults in the state of Texas have legal documents that line up with who they are. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about 85% of transgender adults who have mismatched documents. So they are having to out themselves every time they go get a job. <sighs> if somebody doesn't like somebody like you, mm -hmm. right, they can see it right there. Oh, that job's full. But even if my documents line up. Okay. I've had my legal documents lined up for just over 10 years. Um, everything that I own, says Lou Weaver, my driver's license, my social security card, my birth certificate, my passport, all say Lou Weaver mail. But even though my social security card says Lou Weaver, that's the same number I got when I was 13 years old. Mm -hmm. You run that social security number for a background check, what's going to pop up? All my mm -hmm. formerly knowns as. I, uh, and it's almost impossible to get rid of all of those things. Right. A credit check, background check for a job, for an apartment. And so you see where this is going, right? Absolutely. We're going down a hill. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when somebody's trying to get a job, if people don't like people like me or they're like, oh, I'd really like to hire you, but I'm afraid you're going to make my other employees uncomfortable. Okay. So you're going to outcast one to protect 99 which happens more often than not. And so what, how are people going to get a job? Now, you might be able to work at McDonald's or Starbucks for seven twenty-five an hour. It's not no livable wage. <laughs> it is not a livable wage. Mm -hmm. You're putting up with a bunch of crap. 
you might be getting misgendered and called the wrong name by your customers, by your coworkers, coworkers by mm-hmm. your boss. Mm-hmm. What do you want to do? Go somewhere where you're respected? Go somewhere where you can make money? Go somewhere where you can control what you're doing? Sex work is work. needs to be decriminalized. We need to be able to take care of the people that are out there making a living. Mm-hmm. If you want to criminalize it, criminalize the jerks that, that are abusing the people that they are paying for a job. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And the people that are trafficking the others and not giving them a choice. Mm-hmm. And so the stigma that we hold around sex workers is the issue, not the work. Mm. Talk about that. Let's talk about that. Yeah. I, I mean, if you I mean, were in a church, right. Who mm-hmm. did who did Jesus hang out with? The folk who did <laughs> the folks who now they say we can't be exactly right. right. The prostitutes, the um, the criminals, mm-hmm. you know, he was with everyday folks. He mm-hmm. wasn't with these elite living up in a castle. Exactly. And so if, if we look at that, sex work has been around. Um, my mom had a book when I was a kid by a lady comic, and she said, motherhood, the second oldest profession. And I, I was 15. I'm like, mom, what's the first? And my mom was like, oh, like, how do I tell my kid this? Right. Prostitution was seen as, you know, it's one of the oldest professions, especially for women. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And we need to change the way that we look at that. We need to be able to uh, make sure that the women that and men and people, um, non-binary folks that are engaging in this work are safe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, make sure that they have um, access to condoms, access to the things they ne- need. New York, I believe it was New York, used to have a law that said if you had seven condoms or more on your on your person, you could get charged as a, as a sex worker. So wait a minute, wow. somebody's trying to make a living trying to protect themselves and you're going to fault them and actually criminalize them for having seven condoms in their pocket. I mean, think about the message that that tells the multiple layers of messages that that tells somebody of you can't take care of your health. You can't be in charge of your own sexual encounters. We see that as criminal activity, wanting to have sex. And so now you're othered over there. And, and so it's very problematic in the way that, um, we view certain types of work that certain types of work have more validity than other types of work. Mm -hmm. Just last Mm -hmm. year during Mm -hmm. COVID, who were the the people that saved the day? The people working at the HEB right across the parking lot right here, right? They Mm -hmm. saved the day, but now they're like, "Mm, they were essential workers then, but now we can forget about them. Right. And unfortunately the sex workers are the ones that like, no matter how much somebody might visit them and pay them and use their services, they're still not seen as essential workers, as people with a place in the workforce, right? And so it's people talking out of both sides of their mouths of saying, I need you. I need the services you provide. I want them. Here's the money I'm going to pay for them. And then turn around and walk out the door and talk smack about it. Mm-hmm. That's violence. When you, you know that somebody wants what you have to offer and they turn around and go, yeah, that's gross, disgusting. Nobody should be doing that. Such sinners. <laughs> You're engaged in it too, buddy. Exactly right. So how are allies or how can allies become better advocates for trans rights? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. Uh, first of all, I would say allies a verb. Mm-hmm. Right? You can't be an ally while you're sitting at home doing nothing. Exactly right. <laughs> um, you know. Um, Get up. <laughs> get up get moving uh you know you can't be a, a monday morning armchair quarterback either as, as they used to you know say um learn educate yourselves hire people to tell you about trans rights 
talk to people. Sometimes Google's right. I will tell you the first and foremost thing, y'all, I'm going to give you a little bit of homework. I want you to do uh, two things for me. I usually say this at the end, but since you asked, if y'all have access to the uh, Netflix, watch the documentary Disclosure. Start there. It's, It's done by all trans folks. On the screen, behind the screens, everything. Laverne Cox is the narrator for okay. this. And she tells how we've gotten to where the narrative of trans folks who are, why we are abused, targeted, and so many other things. Um, and, and do yourself a favor and get a box of Kleenex to sit there with you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, it's not an easy watch. Um, and, and start learning about the things and then start taking a look around you and saying, what can I do to make my little corner of the world or my big corner better and more open and more welcoming? And if you don't know, find somebody who is willing to teach you. Not every trans person wants to have this conversation with you. Mm-hmm. Find somebody who is willing to teach you, willing to sit with you and say, OK, let's take a look. What do you want to change? All right. We're sitting in St. Stephen's. Do you want to take a look at this? Like I've said, like I said before, I haven't been here for many years. I don't really know what it looks like, but you've got to look at many different things. If it's a church, you have to look at who the leader is. Are they saying, hello, ladies and gentlemen, that can be problematic. What about all your non-binary friends that are sitting there? Think about, I know we're in the South. I know it's difficult, but don't gender somebody until you know. Mm-hmm. Right? I practice mm-hmm. this every day and mm-hmm. some days I'm good at it and some days I am not. And mm-hmm. I see somebody walking down the street with a cute dog. I'm like, oh, look at the dog that person has. Oh, I really like that person's sweater. Right. And so I constantly think about how do I say they and them mm-hmm. instead of he or she, mm-hmm. because I have no clue. It takes work. It does. And, mm-hmm. and it's not only is it learning, it's unlearning and unpacking Absolutely. everything I've been taught since Absolutely. I, you know, came out of the womb there. Absolutely. And, and, and so it's work and, and we're not going to get better until we do it. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, it's working these muscles and the brain is a muscle and getting out of those same places that we've sat over and over again. Mm-hmm. And we need to do that. We need to, to be thinking about these things. And it's not just about trans folks, right? It's about racism. It's about any sort of religion, assuming everybody worships the same God mm-hmm. and all of these things. And really looking at it with a good reflective lens of what am I watching? What am I reading? Who are my friends? And how do I make sure that other people are welcome here, no matter where here is? Mm-hmm. Is it my re- place of worship? Mm-hmm. Is it the civic association, my volunteer place? Is it where I go and hang out for work? Mm-hmm. Um, and we can all do something. Right. We can all do something. Put your uh, introduce yourself with your pronouns. Put your pronouns on your name tags. Put your pronouns at the end of your name in the emails. You know, this says and that can be difficult. People say, I don't like that. Well, you know what? How many Taylors and Tyler's and Alex's and Tracy's are people, um, you know, Charlie, Chris, all these names Mm -hmm. that we don't know. Exactly right. And names being gendered is also a very weird thing. Right. And Mm -hmm. so. That's true. We have to have different ways of talking about it and and being open to what these names are or who people are without assuming based on what we've seen. Mm-hmm. Right? I assume everybody's queer. Everybody most other people assume everybody's not queer. Mm-hmm. But why? Mm-hmm. Because that's what the the lens that they come into a conversation with. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's time to change our lenses. Absolutely. I must say that um St. Stephen's uh has been the first church 
where I got very acquainted rather quickly with using pronouns. That's awesome. <laughs> um, and so we we are definitely one of the churches in the Diocese of Texas that are doing that work. Um, and we welcome, if you're here in Texas or if you're visiting uh, Houston, please um, come on by. We would love to have you worship with us. Um, Lou, you talked about a lot and my mind is just like racing with all of the great information you've given us today. But I want to uh, also talk about um, taking it back to our um, political uh, piece of the conversation that we had earlier. And so this so far this year, um, there have been 250 anti-LGBTQ bills introduced um, in states across the country. Mm -hmm. um, this uh, is the last attempt to continue to deny trans people uh, their rights, uh, especially our trans kids. Uh, can you tell us uh, more about why this is happening, especially in Texas? Yes. You know, and that, that is a conversation we need to be having more. Why are we attacking trans youth? Uh, we continue to attack the vulnerable. Uh, mm, but they're mm -hmm. not the only ones being attacked. Um, Same-sex marriage is, is um, and benefits and who can be a parent to a child. But when we're talking about trans folks and not having the equality, we're targeted because we're a small group. We're targeted because people don't think we have any allies. Mostly we're targeted because people don't think we're going to fight back. Mm, and we're targeted mm -hmm. because when it comes to people that are in power, want to stay in power, they have to have some message to give to the people. What are they feeding their flock? Mm -hmm. What are their flocks mm -hmm. coming for? Mm -hmm. And different flocks come for different messages. Mm -hmm. And the message about being better than somebody else is a message that has probably gone for eternity before the time of Christ, during and after. And the way that people keep in power is by saying, at least you're not them. Well, mm -hmm. at least you're not that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and how do we exercise control? Mm -hmm. and, and exercising control over a young trans person and their body and what they can and can't do as their selves, uh, being able to change their name, being able to change the way they dress, being able to, to be who they are, is the same thing that is told over and over again and has been told over and over again to, to women or uh, people with uteruses and, um, and interior reproductive organs that they can't have an abortion. It's control mm -hmm. of somebody else mm -hmm. that people want because they can man maintain some sort of like hierarchy in our society. Mm -hmm. And they can attack children because they think the state thinks they know better. I, I read a tweet today from a representative that said, I've been listening to my um, constituents and they think it's a bad idea for trans kids to be doing X, Y, Z. It's like, did you listen to the doctors? Did you listen to trans kids yourself? Right. Nope. You listen to a bunch of people that probably don't, don't have any transgender anything. friends and don't want to have any transgender friends. So it's the continued othering of people. And we see it happening over and over again. And it's, it's about political power. It's about staying in charge. It's about feeding a base that wants to hear all of these things. And they also, and that base wants to think that they're better than their neighbors. Right. That's how that's how this country was set up. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, Lou. So there are there are many people who have are encouraged by their faith um, as transgender person as a transgender person. Um, when I think about this whole notion of how the church does not, or the Christian church rather, does not uh, welcome 
as we ought. I think that I think that's a chastisement that needs to be um, heard more. And I think we've heard it, but the question is, what are we doing about it? Because we keep hearing it, and it seems as if nothing's happening. But something is happening because there are congregations, or there are, or there are um, churches that are being formed so that people can be welcomed and so that people can be comfortable and so that people can be their authentic selves. And so I think that's also great as well, don't you think? Yeah, and I think that that's what needs to happen. I think the church and many other institutions, right, were held unchecked and not accountable mm-hmm. um, in, for many, many different, in their actions on many different things. And whether it was about the LGBTQ plus communities, whether it was about, I mean, any other ism and other bad stuff that happens in a church, mm-hmm. right? The church seems to be held by many above and above, uh, you know, that is the supreme and final law. Mm-hmm. But men and women, humans, I guess, mm-hmm. um, I think the Bible uses the word men's, right? But the humans are not perfect. Correct. And they, they need to like realize that they can make mistakes and that they can learn and that the way, like, they need to be open to being able to change their minds. Right. Mm-hmm. I am not the person I was three years ago, mm-hmm. and I hope that I am learning and being more educated and more progressive in three more years as I continue to learn more about the world around me. Mm-hmm. And I think people forget to be curious about the world around them. They forget to be curious about their neighbors and who their neighbors are, what their neighbors bring into the world, whether it's a new style of food or a new style of music or something – and that's the way we grow and that's the way we become richer and more nourished is by by having these experiences mm-hmm. but we become so closed down and so insular that we just stick with what is safe and mm-hmm. what is comfortable and to an extent we always need to be safe right we could because we have to survive mm-hmm. But we also need to be able to be around people that don't look like us. We need to be able to hear these other ideas and maybe say, you know what? Maybe I was wrong. Maybe mm-hmm. I didn't have the full story. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe this is a thing that I should be interested in. Um, you know, while we were, I've been sitting here looking at these books and thinking, wow, these are some books I didn't think would be here. But they're the books of an educated person who wanted to read many different things. And experience many different ideas and thoughts. And it, it, when trans folks have been set up to be the, the way that we are portrayed in the world and, you know, the queer folks and, you know, the same things that are used to target other communities have been used to target us. It's just moving who we're mad at mm-hmm. down the road. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm not equating the the fight for my equality to the fight to the civil rights movement whatsoever at all right it is not the same thing right uh, for um, when black African American people were fighting for the right to vote in the 1960s mm-hmm. but what what was one of the things that they targeted was restrooms and water fountains mm-hmm. where did they start with the trans folks with right. restrooms mm-hmm. because if you can't go to the restroom you can't go out and be in public. And right. And so it's that othering, that pushing people mm-hmm. away, that mm-hmm. siloing people off. Mm-hmm. And instead of doing that, we need to invite more in to be together so that we're right, more comfortable, more knowledgeable. We become comfortable when other people, when we're around them a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. But we fear what we don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, so, Lou, um, with all of the work you've done um, and all of the advocacy that you that you do, 
What scares you about your work, if anything? Does anything scare you? Uh, I'm an introvert by nature. Leaving my house scares me. Um, What scares me is that I'm going to get the news that one of my friends has died. What scares me is that um, they're going to make it illegal. They've already made it illegal in one state for uh, doctors to take care of trans kids. The doctors are going to get fined. The doctors are going to go to jail. What is this telling that trans kid? That they don't have the same right to medical care that their friends do? They can't play on the same sports teams that their friends do? Mm -hmm. I'm terrified that these kids are going to harm themselves because we know they are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm terrified that the rest of the world isn't going to get it fast enough. And how many more of my friends, my trans family, my non-binary siblings, all of these folks, are we going to lose because they don't see the world as a welcoming place for them. And I'm afraid that these people are going to give up hope. Hmm. And if you have no hope, that's what depression is having no hope. And that's when the depression monster gets you mm-hmm. and people are trying to take away that hope, that mm-hmm. life that I can get what I need. I can have the access that I need to care. Somebody's going to see me as a person. Mm-hmm. I get to hang out with my friends mm-hmm. and I'm afraid that people will lose hope. Talk a little bit more about hope. What what what's what are you hopeful about? I'm hopeful that I have no idea how many people are going to listen to this podcast, but if we can change one mind, I'm hopeful. Mm-hmm. Cuz one more person is going to think. Absolutely. I'm hopeful that we planted a seed today. I am hopeful that you know that the, the next homework assignment you have all of you all listening Go tell three people you listen to this, whether Mm -hmm. you like me or not, whether you think I'm full of it or not. Right. We have to have these conversations. Absolutely. And the more we talk about this, the more we talk about people that are different than us, the more our world can be the world that we think we are. Right. We claim that America is a welcoming place, that we are a melting pot, that we are all of these things. But we really aren't. We never have been. And Mm -hmm. if we want to be that America that President Biden and and Vice President Harris are talking about, about how we're welcoming, then let's do that. Let's be hopeful that sooner or later we're going to get there. And I know that it's not going to be tomorrow. But if we continue to take steps moving to full equality and equity for everybody that's here, then why can't I have a life like Star, Star Trek, the next generation, where we're all living peacefully and hanging out? That's what I'm hopeful for. I don't know that I actually want to be in space, but you know. I totally agree, Lou. I think I think hope hope for me looks like a little bit of the I have a dream speech in 2021 that my I don't have children, but that my siblings can actually have a life worth living that my that my transgender siblings can actually grow up and and have full lives that they have access to the care that they need that they have um, a seat at the table of justice that they that they get to actually make decisions for their lives and not have somebody make the decision for them that's unfair and unjust. Um, I have, I'm hopeful that 
um, transgendered um, uh, women of color that those numbers um, um, that those numbers go down I, I, I don't want to continually see those numbers increase year by year um, and that the and that the lives that we've lost that we get to honor them as we, as those persons who continue to live that we continue to say their names that we continue to live the life that they unfortunately could not um, so I'm, I'm hope and I'm hopeful that um, that the church will be awakened and will have and have and be arrested by the power of the Holy Spirit, because that's also what um, the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit gives us this ability to um, get out of the norm and get out of our slumper and actually do this creative and expansive work in ways that we're not not we're not taking full ownership but we're allowing ourselves to just, we're allowing ourselves to do the work that needs to be done we're leaving creation better than what was given to us and so that that's what that's what I'm hopeful for I'm hopeful that and like you I hope I'm hopeful that someone listening to our conversation today actually becomes more informed and 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 is willing to actually have the hard conversation because i think no one really wants to have hard conversations it's no hard. One. <laughs> it's difficult we don't like to be uncomfortable we don't like to be wrong absolutely so absolutely. we don't have those conversations yeah and i, I mean even today coming into the in, into, our, into our conversation today Lou, I, I i have i i don't know too many transgendered persons not to my knowledge but personally um, and my first real encounter um, with a transgender person is a, a friend of mine. They went through the procedure and they had uh, top surgery done. And I am, I think that was my, that was my gift. It was a gift to me to be able to walk with them and to still be able to walk with them in their journey. Um, and it's because prior to that, I, I mean, you read, you read about it, you hear about it, you see things on TV, but to actually have the gift, cause it's a gift to have somebody come into your life and someone that you love and, and, and you see them evolve in that way. And you're, and you're continuing to see what that looks like. It, it is truly it has truly been a blessing to to have them in my life. So I, I am thankful. That's, um, that's amazing. I, I yeah. think that that's the thing. I think we need to be open to the gifts and see them for what they are, that mm -hmm. they are gifts mm -hmm. and and how much we can grow from each one of those gifts. Absolutely. You know, our transgender siblings may just need you to be willing to be gracious and compassionate and willing to walk with them they don't necessarily need chastisement they don't Definitely necessarily not. they don't they don't need um they i don't i don't necessarily think they need your opinion probably not just 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 love them just walk with them just and 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 if you're bold enough to pray pray with them and for them don't pray the prayer you think they need 
pray for God's love to abound in their lives. Pray that they're kept safe. Pray that they evolve beyond their wildest imaginations. Pray that they, as they've, cho- as they've chosen to embark on that journey of, of evolution and, and, and self-actualization, that, that they will not inflict pain on themselves and not necessarily receive and internalize the pain that they get from others but that they can actually be bold, remain bold daily. Pray, pray, pray that kind of prayer. Not a, not a prayer of judgment, but a prayer of a, a true prayer of love. Okay, uh, Damien, before you go on, can I tell you what I just heard? Sure. What I heard from you was saying, don't pray for them, not for me. Don't make somebody's transition about yourself. Pray for the who they are exactly and, and, and what they need. And I think that that's I think that's incredible. Mm-hmm. Right? Because so many times we say prayer, dear God, blah 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 for me. Mm-hmm. Dear mm-hmm. God, blah 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 for them. It's not about you. <laughs> yeah, my transition's not about anybody <laughs> but me. Exactly right. Exactly yeah. right. And and exactly that's right. that's amazing to hear you say that because so many other people will be like, I'll pray for you. I'll pray that you see God's way. Mm. Well, if somebody's religious, they probably already have. Exactly, right? <laughs> exactly right, exactly right. And how about that? God's way for them is this level of self-actualization in a way that it's not my problem that it makes you uncomfortable. Exactly, <laughs> that's your problem. You're that's uncomfortable, your, that, that, not that, mine. That, that, that's your work, and I and I think yeah, that that's your work. That's your work. Uh, last question about transgendered youth. The news, the reports are always there about. Um, how bad bullying is uh, for kids. What is your word of advice, your word of um, counsel for those um, transgendered youth who are at their wit's end and they don't think they can do it another day? Um, Hold on. You will find your space in the world. You will find your people. You are loved. We see you. Um, the internet gives us so many more options to connect with folks. While it can also be a very scary place, uh, find a safe place to be on the internet. Find that safe teacher at school um, or that safe person at church to, that they can talk to. And maybe it's only for five minutes a day that they get to be themselves mm-hmm. and they get to say, and that would they hear it once a day that somebody says, I see you and uses the right name and the right pronouns. But that one adult for that youth is going to make a huge difference. And kids, if you're out there, you know, you're going to find it. Just just, just try and hold on. And I know how hard it is. And if you're an adult and you think that you have a kid around you that needs to hear that, go find them and find a way to tell them. And don't do it in front of anybody else. You don't know how safe it is or isn't. Mm-hmm. And if a, if a child trusts you and you're a grown-up or if you're another child, that's not your story to share. Those stories, those journeys, they are... They are a gift to you, and you don't share that gift without permission. Mm-hmm. And so for you youth that have this special gift inside of you, be careful who you share it with, and love and trust the person that you do, and you're going to find the person that you need that will be there for you. Lou, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. You have, you have truly been a gift to us today at Faith from the Margins, and I, I am hopeful that our listeners today 
really got something that can help them along the journey. I, I am so thankful. Um, where Please let our listeners know where they can find you, what projects you have going on, because they want to stay in touch with Lou Weaver. So please let our listeners know how they can reach out to you and stay connected with the work you have going on. Oh, thank you. Um, the easiest way is if you're on Twitter, it's at Lou Weaver, L-O-U-W-E-A-V-E-R. If you really need to email me, it's Lou at LouWeaver.com. Um, if you're an attorney and you want to help, I help found and run a legal clinic for uh, transgender Texans to get their name and gender marker updated. We can help anybody across the state if they're doing name and gender marker. Um, you can look if you can find us. It's Trans Legal Aid uh, Houston. Um, it, it, you know, find a way. You don't need me to be your guide. Find a way to get involved. You can volunteer at Montrose Grace Place. Um, I think St. Stephen's helps at Montrose Grace Absolutely. Place. Absolutely. Yes, um, we do. Or uh, at um, Tony's house. And, and listen to these kids. Find out what they need. Um, you know, p- people need things. Places need things. If you're a provider, a doctor, a nurse, whatever else, think about the ways that you can be accepting to the people that are coming into your clinics. Think about who you're seeing, about what you're asking. If you assume when I sit down that I am a straight white man and X, Y, Z, and so those are my deals, please don't. Stop assuming. Every one of you, stop assuming that everybody's straight and cisgender um, and let us tell you who we are because then otherwise there's roadblocks in front of us. We need to try our best not to create roadblocks for everybody else. Um, So I'm working on the Transgender Legal Aid Clinic. I work on helping to find people to tell their stories, um, whether it's at the the state level, at the city level, at the county level. If you want to get involved, um, let me know. We'll find a place for you. There's, There's so much for you to do out there. Just make the steps. Awesome. Thank you, Lou. So please, listeners, if you're looking for a way to serve, a way to get involved, a way to be educated, Lou has offered a lot of resources that are readily available to help you along that journey. Please don't be afraid to take the next step. Lives are depending on it. Wow, what an insightful conversation. I am so grateful for the work that Lou is doing in our community. One of the meaningful things that was said and uh, during our time together was the actually the homework assignment given to go on Netflix and watch the Disclosure series title that is on there. Um, I haven't had an opportunity to check it out just yet, but I'm actually looking forward to sitting and learning Um, from the stories of our trans sisters and brothers and from their experiences. So I encourage you to do that as well. Please check it out. Yeah, please check it out. You won't regret it. Disclosure is a great documentary. I watched it, I think, when it came out. And I learned so much about the history of how the media represents trans people and that the effect that that has on society, but also on ourselves as trans people. I was really happy to see that everyone on the show, on the on the documentary um, is trans. So everyone that you will see there, all the people that uh, were involved in that project were trans people. So it was finally like saying, we can tell our own stories and we don't need other people to tell 
our, our stories. What happened to me when I watched Disclosure was similar to what happened to me when I heard Lou. There was there was pain in, in remembering my own struggles and in knowing the struggles that my trans sisters and brothers continue to face. But there was also hope in seeing how things have changed and how some things are better and how I can be here on a podcast telling you about my own journey and Luke can be here on this podcast telling you about his journey and then you can watch a documentary on Netflix where we can continue to tell our stories. So yeah, I could say a lot more but um, this was very meaningful for me and I'm really, I'm really grateful that we had the opportunity to learn from Lou. So what is next, Damien? What updates do you have for all our listeners today? Our next episode will be aired in about two weeks. And when I tell you, friends, you are in for a treat. Dr. Sandra Montez is the Dean of Chapel at Union Theological Seminary in New York City. And without giving you too much, all I want to tell you is you don't want to miss it. Please join us in about two weeks and you will be blessed. I promise you. I am sure that everything that involves Dr. Sandra Montes is pure gold. So we are really excited, as you can tell, um, for you all to hear what Sandra um, shared with us and also we are we are also gonna have an episode in Spanish with Sandra so we haven't forgotten about our Spanish episodes they're coming they're coming soon so we're really excited and we also want to remind you the, uh, to please continue to connect with us via social media you can follow us on Instagram at Faith from the Margins. Let us know what you think. Um, give us your feedback and please continue to share these episodes um, with your friends, with your communities, with people that you think can benefit from it. If you haven't done it already, what are you waiting on? Faith from the Margins, the podcast, whatever your favorite platform is, rate it share it and talk about it we need your support please do it today yes we really appreciate all your support all the feedback all the encouragement keep it coming we welcome it and we really look forward to being together again in two weeks for our next episode see you next time friends be safe <laughs>